0: Get things going. Happy Wednesday. It's Logan Gordon coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta for another edition of Sportsnet today. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls, we have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things Basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Busy show for you. We're along with you for the next two hours here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, alongside just a cavalcade of producers. Whole whack of us here. Nobody wants to leave anymore. We got a Zom here. He's filling in for Taylor. Cam's still over there. Callum's over there. Alex is over there. Only to deal with Alex for so long though. I'm gonna have to deal with this anymore. Aw. Thankfully. I'm just kidding.
1: That was brutal. <laughs>
0: that was mean, I'll miss Alex, but that's a story for a different day. Uh they're all here. They they tell me they're doing work, so I'll believe them for now. Uh glad to have them along for the ride. We'll check in uh, with them throughout the afternoon. Lots to get to though. Uh, More follow-up from yesterday's blockbuster three-team trade between the L.A. Kings, Columbus Blue Jackets, and the Philadelphia Flyers. We were kind of running by the uh, seat of our pants last uh, show on Tuesday as those details were coming in. It wound up being a much more expansive trade than we thought it would be. We've got final details now. We'll uh, dive into a Columbus perspective with Aaron Portsline of The Athletic who covers the Blue Jackets a little bit later on this hour. See exactly what's going on uh, with Jarmo Kekalina and the Blue Jackets as they head into a very interesting offseason. Uh, really the first team out of the gate with a major addition in their pocketbook, and it's not even uh, before the Stanley Cup final's done. So we'll uh, we'll talk to Aaron Portsline about that, of course. We are one day closer to the season and home opener for your Calgary Peters, so we'll have a stamps report. Patty Dumas and Matty Rose will bring us that coming up a little bit later. And uh, we've got an update on, uh, or at least the latest, on the Flames coaching search. Craig Conroy's first major hire as this team's new GM uh, appears to be getting closer. And we've got some names. I don't know if I'd call them finalists, but names still in the mix. When it comes to the Flames head coaching position, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts, and of course uh, Pat Steinberg from Flames Talk with the latest on that over the last 24 hours so we'll talk about that to kick off hour two of the program a little bit later on today but speaking of the Calgary Flames wanted to pass along a very good piece of news from the Flames today and that is uh, that Michael Backlund has been named a finalist for the 2022-2023 King Clancy Memorial Trophy presented to the player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice, it has made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution to his community. Every team nominates a player for the King Clancy Trophy, three finalists, and then a winner chosen um, by a committee of senior NHL executives led by the commissioner and deputy commissioner uh, Gary Bettman and Bill Daly. Um, the King Clancy Trophy winner will be revealed during the NHL Awards in Nashville. On uh, Monday, June 26th, winner gets to uh, get twenty five dollars, twenty five thousand dollar donation to benefit a charity or charities of their choice, and the two runners up each receive a five thousand donation, five thousand dollar donation to benefit a charity or charities of their choice. Backlund has been a massive. I don't have to tell anybody who listens to this station, and follows the flames, uh, what Michael does, but just important to throw it out there. Uh, He and his wife, Frida, uh, really with so many important causes throughout Alberta. ALS Society of Alberta, Kids Cancer Care, Special Olympics Calgary, uh, Lily's Legacy with Parachutes for Pets. Really not an area of this community that Michael and his wife have not touched and uh, a very, very deserving finalist uh, for this award. Um, Doesn't even matter if Michael wins it or not. Obviously, we'd love to have that. Uh, joined a couple former Flames who have won the award as well, but just to be nominated and to make it as a finalist shows you just the impact that Michael has uh, around this community. So once again, congratulations to Michael and his wife, Frieda, on this uh, great, great uh, news today that Michael is one of the three finalists. other two, Anders Lee of the New York Islanders and uh, Darnell Nurse, uh, back-to-back finalist uh, of the Edmonton Oilers. He's done a lot there with Right to Play. Uh, he's got a nurses, excellent scholarship that he made up a couple years ago and a uh, free play for kids. So congratulations to all three of those finalists for the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. We'll, again, we'll find out uh, who wins that one. At the NHL awards coming up later this month in Nashville. Big story in the NHL yesterday. We thought it would be fallout from a 7-2 victory for the Vegas Golden Knights over the Florida Panthers. It was instead... A massive three-team trade between the Flyers, the Blue Jackets, and the LA Kings, which saw defenseman Ivan Provorov heading to Columbus. A number of pieces going to Philly, including goaltender Cal Peterson and defenseman Sean Walker from the LA Kings. And LA retaining a small portion of Provorov's deal, 30%. Over the next two seasons, as they move out a couple of um, bigger salaries to make room For Vladislav Gavrikov, that was the fallout today from that trade. We had gotten word that LA's involvement in that deal was to open up cap space, and sure enough, they go out and get that done today. They get a two-year contract extension done with the defenseman who they acquired from the Columbus Blue Jackets back at the NHL's trade deadline. Uh, According to Elliot Friedman, this is a two-year, $5.875 million extension for Gavrikov with the L.A. Kings. So no longer a rental for Gavrikov in L.A. He'll stick around for at least the next two seasons at that $5.8 million AAV. Big part of what they did for the remainder of the season, and Kings obviously hoping that they can expand on that heading into next year. But this sort of kicked off the conversation of what exactly is going on around the league, Uh, what exactly is going on with the Columbus Blue Jackets, a team that now, selects third overall in this upcoming NHL draft and appears to want to change the narrative around their team. No rebuild coming for a team that signed Johnny Gaudreau and Eric Branson last season and has already made an aggressive push early on in this offseason with the Provorov deal. What's next to come for GM Yarmulkekelein and the Columbus Blue Jackets? That's something that Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick batted around a little bit earlier on on the Jeff Merrick show here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
2: We'll see what's next for Columbus here with Jarmo Kekalainen, but but I'm with you now that all attention is on the general manager and getting this team back to respectability. I don't know that Columbus would ever consider putting their first round their their, their first first round pick in play, but if they're going for it and trying to to reinforce. This team, they pick up Provorov. Last year was Johnny Goudreau. Before that was Patrick Line. They want to piece this team together with established NHL players. Is anything right now, in your estimation, sacred with the Columbus Blue Jackets? Or is Yarmo listening on everything?
3: Uh, well, look, I, I, I think there's certain things he's not going to do. He's not going to do Zach Wierenski. Obviously, and to be to be perfectly blunt, I I would like. I know there's all these rumors about here about (laughs) maybe they'll trade the number three pick. I don't know. Like to me, that seems kind of crazy. You you would really have to Mm -hmm. show me a deal that that you would have to show me a deal that would make sense for the number three overall pick. I mean, you you really would. Um, you know, like like. I understand they have to win, and I understand that uh, they, like, it's very clear to me with the hiring of Mike Babcock in this trade that another season like last year in Columbus is not an option, and Yarmo and knows that if he doesn't get this right soon, he's not going to be the GM of that team any longer. And, but you know, ultimately, your resume as a general manager lasts longer than your time in a market or a city or a team. Like, five years after you leave, you're still going to be graded on the moves you make. And, like, people are saying, well, they might trade a number three pick or they might trade, like, one of their young prospects. Like, would they trade a Ken Johnson? Like, I I would really love to see how any of that would make sense for Columbus. You can add without trading, like, who's the third overall pick? It's probably Carlson, right, Jeff? Like, like, tell me how that makes sense. Maybe. I don't know. But, but like, af- tell after me after how world, I don't him. know if
2: it's Leo Carlson.
3: <laughs> OK, so if it's not Carlson, it's Fantilly, right? Like, tell me, right. yes. tell me how that makes sense. Like, how does that make sense? No, listen, the 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 the,
2: yeah. o- the only way it, it makes sense is if there is the belief that right now the manager needs to take this leap with the Columbus Blue Jackets.
3: Yeah, but even that, that this
2: doesn't is, make that this sense. Is his like, next second out.
3: Yeah, but even that, that on its own doesn't make sense. Like, it has to be a super trade because, like, you know what, Jeff? You know how people think now. And this is how I hope, uh, this is how I I would hope that Kekalainen thinks, too, and the Blue Jackets think. Like, if you, like, people remember trades now hundreds of years after they happen. Like, how many stories do you see out there where people still talk about oh, well, this is what happened and this is what couldn't have happened. People love that stuff. They can't get enough of it. So if if you're going to make that deal, you you have to understand the risk that for 50 years from now, people are going to be saying, that's the guy who made that trade. And that shouldn't be the reason you're afraid from doing something completely. But you have to know, have to recognize the risk of how, like like I think if you're trading that pick, and there's a reason those picks never get traded, but if you're trading that pick, man, you'd be better be getting a great return. Like I don't care if I had to win this year. I don't care. If I was in that seat, you would have to say to me with the quality of player you're gonna get with the number three pick, you better give me a good reason to even think about it.
0: That is Angel Insider from Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada, Elliot Friedman with Jeff Merrick a little bit earlier on today, talking about what's next for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And, of course, many people in this market, for obvious reasons and uh, things that were brought up previously, have focused on the number three overall pick that belongs to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Elliot, maybe not as quick to see it in play as others are, but it is an interesting conversation and one that no doubt people will focus on for line. And If you're a GM that feels you're on the hot seat and you've got to make an impact now, that number three overall pick, as, as Elliot does mention, could net you a pretty large return. Could make your team immediately better but will it make you better than the player that you're getting at three overall in four or five years? That kind of becomes the question for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And is there, there more to come. Can they achieve what they want? Can they take a big enough step? Do they have the pieces to take a big enough step forward for Yarmulke Kalainen to remain as that team's GM without selling off the future? Because as soon as you get, a couple of those prospects in the bank or you get a number three overall pick, those are always the first conversations that anyone wants to have. Right? If you're talking about taking an NHL player off of your roster that's gonna make Columbus better, why would the conversation not start with Cole Sillinger, Ken Johnson, the third overall pick? That's it's, it's it, it makes too much sense to do that. Of course, the other side of that will be, you know, can Yarmo, Yarmo, as as Elliot mentions there again, he makes a good point, is that you're almost based, you're going to be judged off of your moves four or five years down the road. And this Columbus team could be a lot better when Stillinger and Johnston and whoever that third overall pick are reach their full NHL potential, but he might not be around to see that. That's just how the job works. Is it fair or not? It's absolutely can be a cruel business, but that's just kind of what it is for him. And it'll be really interesting to see. I'm excited to talk to Aaron Porcelain a little bit later on this hour. Get his feel. He covers the Blue Jackets for the Athletic, and you know, get a sense of of what he thinks this team is is going to do this off season. Are they still in the market for? Um, another top six player like we think they've been talking about. What does that look like? Does a third overall pick come into play? We'll ask Aaron all that a little bit later on today as well. Also, a reminder, coming up to the kickoff hour two, we'll dive into the Flames uh, coaching update. Still no hire yet for Craig Conroy uh, to replace Daryl Sutter. We'll uh, throw some names out. Elliot Friedman, 32 Thoughts podcast today. Uh, Steinberg on Flames Talk yesterday. So we'll dive into some of those names as the afternoon goes on. I want to bring in uh, Azam, one of our producers here on the show. Uh, you were with us yesterday as we were kind of going through that trade, Azam. Yes. And we heard Friedman there. Um, what do you think of your Columbus? Are you aggressive going out this offseason, trying to be better? Or can you kind of wait for some of those young guys to to pop back up and, and kind of reach their
1: potential? I think they got to wait a if- like Elliot said it there, if that third pick's going to be moved, it's got to make sense for them. And maybe that's potential. You know, Elias Lindholm has been connected to that third overall pick, uh, bringing back, you know, his connection with Goudreau and their success in Calgary. But it's got to make sense for Columbus. And it's got to make sense for a team that's going to be trading for that third overall pick. What are they looking for? Are they looking to rebuild or are they looking to grab some youth? So I think it's, it's got to be make sense for both sides. And they've got some good young players, but how much are they going to rely on those, their drafting to be a choice of their future?
0: Yeah, it's a tough one. It's always, you know, you're always hoping that your GM is looking out for the better future of your team, but at the same time, it's easier said than done when you kind of think, hey, uh, you know, he's making a pretty controversial coaching hire in Mike Babcock. We don't know how that's going to work out. Johnny Goudreau is through year one there, right? And it's kind of like, how can we wait three years when we've got Goudreau on the roster? And how can we, you know, we've got Rowenski here. They've got a couple pieces. And sometimes patience is the hardest thing in this game. And Columbus is in one of those. That's why we're talking about him right now is because they're one of the more intriguing teams. You could obviously see them wait because they've got some great prospects. But the GM won't be around to see those guys if they finish anywhere near like they did this year
1: yeah for sure I think their biggest concern I think they've made good additions to their decor and their forward group I think their goaltending will need to be a little bit looked at I know Leakins has been looked at as a great goaltender but he really hasn't lived up to that potential yet and now they don't have Corpusalo anymore so they definitely need something on the back end to help them provide good goaltending that'll help them with all their additions they had, especially when you add in uh, good defense like Proveroff. Uh Some more Blue Jackets talk
0: coming up a little bit later on this hour there in Ports Line of The Athletic. I uh, did want to mention as well it was a practice day back in Florida. Stanley Cup final said to shift to uh, Florida for the next two games at least. Uh, coming up on Thursday, Paul Maurice talking to the media today said that he expects defenseman Radko Gudas to be in the lineup Thursday for game number three of this series. That is a huge relief for the Florida Panthers. They went 11 forwards and 7-D in game number two, and they wound up needing it, Uh, not only from all the game misconducts that were being handed out by the refs, uh, but Gutis leaving that game, wondered if he was going through concussion protocol. He's been so important to what they've done in the first three rounds, losing him even for an extended period of time during a game uh is bad news for the Florida Panthers but if they lost him for games 3 or 4 potentially of this series we were talking about a major disadvantage for them doesn't sound like we're going to have to worry about that also reaffirmed uh his confidence in starting goaltender Sergei Bobrovsky heading into that game on Thursday and look it's i think it's fair to to wonder uh about the goaltending conversation Alex Lyon was great during the regular season in fact he started the playoffs for the Florida Panthers, but bobrovsky has been the guy that got you here. Let's be honest. Let's not make any, you know, false narrative about what's happened in Florida. They don't get here if it's not for the absolute outstanding play of Sergei Bobrovsky. I think you got to ride with that guy until it's, until it's done. And look, maybe it's, maybe it's not as successful. Maybe for whatever the, the layoff doesn't work. Maybe there's something that the Vegas golden Knights do better than any other team that you've seen in this postseason. Um, that allow them to be more successful against Sergey Bobrovsky. Maybe all of that's true. I still think you've got to ride with the guy that got you here. And with all due respect to Alex Lyon, he hasn't been that guy. He was great in the regular season as part of that. Remember was on that weird three goaltender thing going had night for a bit. He went off to player assistance. Bobrovsky didn't even play most of the last month heading into the playoffs. It was all Alex Lyon. Then Lyon kind of falters against Boston. They go back to Bobrovsky, and he's been on a tear ever since. And maybe the break hurt him more than anybody going off of it, right? Being going in that rhythm for him, all of a sudden you got like 10 days off, and you're going, I probably would have liked to have played a bit. No, not so I'm saying. The team hasn't been great around him either.
1: Yeah, uh, goaltending is just such a weird position, especially how superstitious they are, and they like to get in a rhythm. But when you have that 10 days off, and he's been paid the big bucks, and obviously he didn't get the way his regular season has gone, and obviously with Knight going to player assistance kind of really dampened, you know, that goaltending depth that they had, and then Bobrovsky just showed up, got into a rhythm, started feeling confident about himself, and then now that confidence kind of wavered, and obviously the team not playing well in front of him, not allowing him to see. I take a look at that game too, especially he did not see any of those shots that went past him. So, when you have something like that, it, it kind of falters and you kind of get off your rhythm, which kind of affects you mentally. And now it's uh, going to be a hard reset for him to see if he can push forward and go back to how he was starting when he came in against the Boston Bruins.
0: Uh, a couple of texts at 960, 960 before we uh, head off this segment and go to talk to Aaron Porchline uh, around the corner. Uh, this text says, I, mean, I keep getting taken about this. I think this is a blockbuster trade. This came in yesterday when I used that term, and a couple people, again, have always, blockbuster? I think it's a blockbuster trade. It's a three-team trade. uh, A first-round pick is involved. Two guys with significant salaries from L.A. are moving on. The Kings are using it to re-sign a player. And Provorov, whether you like the guy or not, um, is a 26-year-old left-shot defenseman in this league who I, I think, you know, the last couple years haven't been great in Philly but for the most part is a pretty substantial piece. I think it's a blockbuster trade. I think that's first notable trade for sure of the offseason. Maybe, maybe it falls short of blockbuster for you, but I think it's a pretty big trade to start things off. Um, this deck says, "Do you ever think uh, there could be uh, an owner who likes and trusts the GM so much. The GM has the job until they're ready to move on. No matter the results. I mean, look at Nashville. I would think that the Nashville Predators are kind of the lone example of that in pro sports. Maybe there's others. Maybe there will be more. But, I mean, the Nashville Predators pretty much since day one handed David Poyle the keys as GM and have backed off. I don't really think until the last couple of years even David Poyle has kind of you know accepted the fact that he was going to move on and, and hand this over eventually to, to someone like Barry Trotz. I do think it's possible that an, an organization has enough trust with, with a, an owner and a GM to just say, Hey, you've got it. We're, we're going to work through it. You want to see prospects through, we'll do it. I mean, that's Nashville's the perfect example of that in my mind. Um, this one says, if ever if Chuckie could ever just focus on playing hockey instead of running around uh, and getting timed up all the time, he'd be a top five player in the league. He did the same thing last, the uh, playoff, Jason Klingberg all around. Yeah, I think Matthew Kachuk's shown you the two sides of him this playoff. The first three rounds when he's putting that stuff to the side and is more of an added bonus to his game, I think you've seen that Matthew Kachuk can absolutely be a top-five player, but sometimes old habits are hard to break, especially if you're if you're Matthew Kachuk. And funny, uh, as we were reading that text about a GM and a, an owner that have you know, long-term trust in each other. Two texts come in, including uh, Jamie and Airdrie, saying, kind of feels like that's what's happening in Winnipeg with Kevin day off. And, hey, since they've come back, uh, Winnipeg Jets version 2.0, very good point by both of those texters that bring that up. It kind of feels like Winnipeg's had, I don't want to call it blind faith, but they've certainly given the GM a lot of wiggle room, and um, that can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. As long as you're getting the results, it's going to be a good thing. Um, Winnipeg hasn't gone through results lately, so it hasn't been great. Um, we'll chat more about the Columbus Blue Jackets coming up in just a moment with Aaron Portsline of The Athletic. Still to come, don't miss it as we kick off Hour 2. We're going to dive into uh, an update on the Flames coaching search with Pat Steinberg and uh, Elliot Friedman bringing us some news on that. We also got a Stamps report coming your way. It's a busy show. Thanks for tuning in, whether you're listening live or on the podcast. We're uh, coming back right in a few moments here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Welcome back to the program. It is Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you as we roll on through hour one of the program. The Columbus Blue Jackets were at the center of a three-team trade yesterday that kicked off the NHL's offseason of player movement in a deal that saw Ivan Provorov traded from the Philadelphia Flyers to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and saw defensemen Sean Walker and Cal Peterson uh, among a package heading towards Philly. The LA Kings getting involved, heading on to a portion of Provorov's contract as well. We've talked about it for really the last 24 hours, and now the fallout begins for all three teams, but specifically for the Columbus Blue Jackets and very excited to go down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar Guest hotline this afternoon to welcome in uh, Aaron Portsline, who covers the jackets for The Athletic, uh, to chat about this deal and what comes next for the group. Uh, Aaron, thanks as always for the time today. Thanks uh, for doing this. How are you today?
4: Doing all right, man. Doing all right. Thanks for having me.
0: Good to, uh, good to chat with you. Uh, I guess just initial reaction, what was going through your mind yesterday as the, the news started to break that we had a three-team trade coming down with Columbus acquiring Provorov?
4: Yeah, a little surprised at the timing because you don't typically see trades like this during the, up final usually it's after the final or during the draft. So that was kind of cool. Um, but not not surprised at all, actually, that the Blue Jackets would trade that later first-round pick. They've been trying to trade it. They they tried to trade it almost from the moment they acquired it. They tried back in March at the trade deadline after they moved Gabrikov and Korpisala to the Kings for that pick. They tried to flip that pick to Arizona in, a trade, in a, a trade they'd hoped for for uh, Jacob Chikrin. And, of course, that never came to pass. Chikrin ended up in Ottawa. Um, but the Blue Jackets were intent on using that pick for immediate roster help, and it was clearly going to be on defense because it, they, they're thin there anyways. The trade of, of Gabrikov left them you know, desperately thin on both sides of the ice. So you knew they were going to remedy that somehow. Uh, and so in that sense, trading that pick for overall was not a surprise. Um, the fact that they get some cap relief or some salary relief and, and that uh, L.A. is paying 30% of it really helps, uh, and it, it perhaps sends them back into the market for more help later this summer. But it now makes them at least somewhat respectable on the blue line. I still think they need more help back there, but it's a it's a good step forward.
0: Why does Provorov make sense for the Jackets' uh, back in in your mind, Aaron?
4: Well, if you look at the left side now, Orensky's the – who was out all last year, essentially. I think it was game eight where he suffered a shoulder injury that required surgery. He's their best defenseman. You might argue their best player. Of course, Goudreau's here now, too. But Orensky's their top dog on defense. Provorov slots in in the second pair. That's where Gavrikov was. I think most people would say Provorov, at least potential-wise, he's had a 17-goal season in this league. He has had 40 points in this league. Probably is an improvement on Gavrikov if, if both players play to their capabilities. So not a bad one, too. Still some big question marks on the right side of their defense. and They've got to figure their top four still probably – at least one player short, maybe more, um, but Provorov certainly serves as a as a fix there. He's also, you could say, a bridge here. They've spent three first round draft picks the last two years, and they're still very hopeful of all of those players becoming bona fide NHL players. But it does take time, and so there, this is you could certainly see this as the Blue Jackets building a bridge. Two David Yurechek, two Denton Matejchuk, who they drafted last year, uh, two Korison Kuhlmann, Stanislav Sposil. They've got some bright prospects on the back end, but they're not ready until they're ready. And you can't just snap your fingers and and hope that it it happens. They they needed to to patch that gap there between today and what they hope will be a bright future.
0: Is this a, a clear indication of your mind that in your mind that Yarmolke wants to see or is beginning to want to see a a noted improvement in his team when it comes to the standings heading into next year, knowing that this is probably just the start of what could be a busy summer for the team?
3: Yeah,
4: well, I don't think we needed this to have an indication of that. I think what they went through last year was a real major step back, obviously. Second-worst record in the league. Um, The most goals they've ever allowed as a franchise there's so much here to fix and so much went the wrong way last year. A lot of it due to injuries. Sure. But they, you know, I've always thought it's like really easy to say, let's just rebuild. And it's kind of fun at first. You look at all of the young players and you start to see some development there, but these things rarely go in a straight line. And it gets really difficult when you hit that first pothole and they, they drove off a cliff last year. Mm. And so this this is them just trying to steady. Um, you knew they were going to make steps to get better this year. A lot of that's going to come from within the roster, but I suspect they're going to be uh, quite aggressive in free agency as well.
0: I know a couple of NHL insiders have pondered whether or not this would be the last head coach that, that Jarmo Kekalainen gets to hire unless the team sees massive sure. improvement. Do you get a, a sense that that's the same as well, that – Jarmo Kekulainen is, in a sense, fighting for his job here?
4: Well, I think that's just that's a reasonable place to land, honestly. Yeah. I mean, this is his uh, third coaching change, right? So, really, it's, maybe it's his fourth. Todd Richards to Tortorella, Tortorella to Larson, Larson to Mike Badcock now. Um, you know, not many GMs last 10 years with one playoff series win. Now, there's also a qualifying round win in there against Toronto. You count that if you wish. They made the playoffs four years in a row, but now they've been out of it for three years. question with all of this is, it's not what myself, it's not what the insiders feel. It's what is, where's management on this? Where's ownership on this? Does John Davidson still believe in the path laid out by Jarmo Kekalainen? Do they still see light at the end of the tunnel and think that this is going the right direction? I think it's only reasonable to say if a guy's been on the job for 10-plus years now, the third-longest-tenured GM in the league once Barry Trotz takes over in Nashville, that yeah, at some point the results have to really kick in here. Um, I don't think that's a stress to say that he's under pressure now more than, than coaches are and players are, and that's the way it works.
0: Uh, just quickly on that, that coaching decision, we expect by the end of the month when his contract runs out uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs that it will be Mike Babcock who gets the uh, the job in Columbus. I guess just your thoughts on this process and your thoughts on, you know, how Jarmo Kekalainen made this decision to go to a guy that's, you know, comes with a, a bit of history now given how his last NHL stint ended. Yeah. what's well, strange,
4: isn't it, because Babcock's name has been in the mix here from the earliest steps of the coaching search. And yet when they settled on him or when it became known that they've settled on him, it still landed as a surprise. Even though we knew they interviewed him, we knew he was a candidate, that name carries so much weight now, not just the, the on-ice success, but all the other baggage. It's a bold hire. It smacks uh, It's more than tinged with desperation, you could say. they got to get this right. This is the default setting that this franchise undertakes whenever things go off the rails. If you think back to the early days of the franchise, a very, very young team and couldn't quite figure it out, they brought in Ken Hitchcock, which surprised a ton of people. It didn't seem like it was going to be a fit, and it got them to the playoffs in Hitchcock's second year. Same thing with, with John Tortorella when they were struggling having – just repeated bad starts under Todd Richards, Tortorella comes in and and they've got the, they have the best run in in their franchise's history, four straight playoff berth, yada, yada. When things go astray, Yarmo Kekalina's answer to everything is work harder. And he now has a coach in place that will drive, in his mind, the standard ever, ever higher than it has been under Brad Larson the last two years. And we'll see if they get the results that they want from certain players, especially.
0: Speaking of that roster that, that Mike might have for him when he comes to Columbus, uh, I know your article at The Athletic pondered whether or not this was going to be the beginning of more moves for Yarmo for this offseason. We obviously know there'll be a draft to come and there'll be free agency and there'll be just the, the natural progression of roster turnover. But could we see another trade in the works from Yarmol Kekalina when it comes to this offseason in an attempt to to really bolster a certain area of his roster? And what area would you expect he would try to focus on if that's the case?
4: I think there's two spots you look at, and they're the spots that many, many teams in the league are trying to fix. Center ice and top four defense. That's kind of the bread and butter of all good teams. And the Blue Jackets, they've thrown some amazing resources at the defense. They have it at center as well. Cole Sillinger took a step back last year. They still have bright plans for him. They think he's a top six centerman. Boone Jenner, until further notice, is this team's default number one center. Not ideal. Uh, That's nothing against Boone Jenner. It's just he's playing a role that's probably uh, a little rich for him. That's a big-time, big-time assignment in the NHL. So Leo Carlson or Will Smith, whoever they draft in the number three spot, if they're lucky, Fantilli drops to them. They hope that's the fix there. I still think they're going to try to do more on the back end defensively. Now, I don't think they're going to just give up on this this rebuild. They're not going to start moving, you know, Kent Johnson and trading the young players, Kirill Marchenko and Yuricek. These are still the foundation of the future. But if they can take big step forwards and advances to be competitive in the short term as well, I think that's what you see them doing this the summer.
0: Uh, asking for no particular reason out here in Calgary, is there a, a world in your mind, Aaron, where that number three overall pick – uh, would be moved by the team, or is that a, a spot where Yarmo's probably pretty committed to making a, a selection given the kind of talent that could be available at that third overall spot?
4: Yeah, I, it's really, really hard for me to see any situation in which they move that pick. Uh, to me, that, that, that pick is the reward for what was an awful season. Uh, this draft is really unique and really special for them, specifically because they have a chronic and desperate need for center ice play. And this draft is really good at center ice. And it's not always like that. They're where they need to be. They'd like to be a little bit higher. The lottery was once again, a kick in the teeth for the blue jackets. They've had less luck than anybody in the lottery. And they, they slid again from two to three. They were hoping to get Bedard or Fantilli. Now that now they got to wait and see who's sitting for them. three, Probably Smith or Carlson, but I don't see any scenario unless there's something coming out of uh, just a clear blue sky that we've not seen before. I don't see someone fixing center ice for them in a trade that would involve the number three overall pick.
0: Aaron Portsline along with us, still in the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar, guest hotline this afternoon, chatting all things uh, Columbus Blue Jackets following a big trade with the LA Kings and the Philadelphia Flyers yesterday. Uh, just a few more for you, Aaron, before we let you go. I guess when it comes to uh, immediate priorities ahead of you know free agency, UFA doesn't it seem like a long list of of to do things for for Kekalainen and probably allows him to to get involved in some of these these trade discussions and some of the other things that we've talked about already.
4: Yeah, they really don't have many contract concerns this year. They have in the past, of course, not this year. So it's it's the draft. It's You know, moving pieces via trade, it's free agency. I think, you know, it's a little easier now after the Provorov trade uh, to sort of target right-side defensemen and, you know, top-four quality candidate-type players. Mm -hmm. I think if you look at that, you know, I, I think there's some pieces here they would consider moving, certainly. What is the future for Jack Roslevic? here. Um, I think they're less likely to trade line a now than maybe they were a year or so ago, but I don't think that's totally out of the question. If they get the right offer, he's become not really an elite goal scorer for them. He has, he's had trouble staying healthy. Does some other team think they can get him back to where he was early in his career? He should be a 40, 50 goal. A guy Player and uh, a seasoned player, and, and he's been sort of a middle of the road scorer for them. Again, mostly because he's been out of the lineup. So I don't think they're looking to trade him, but I think it's it, it would it's not out of the question. The sense is the Rosslovic's on the move this summer. I'm not sure what the return might be there. They also have a lot of wingers and a lot of depth defensemen. Not a huge market for that in the league, I'll grant you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Yarmo Yarmo might get creative and and try to uh, concentrate things a little higher in the lineup for himself. Uh,
0: Heading into the final year of a number of important ELCs, you mentioned uh, the likes of Kent Johnson, Marchenko, Cole Sillinger. Do you think there's an appetite from the GM's point of view to try to get uh, a long-term deal done with any of those players uh, before they head to uh, an RFA status in a year's time?
4: Yeah, I think they would certainly consider it. If I'm Cole Sillinger, I don't want to do that now. I want to give myself a chance to put a better season on, on paper before I do that. will be an RFA next summer. Um, I wouldn't want to negotiate if I were him based upon my most recent season. Mm-hmm. So I could see that one holding off. But I don't think there's anything stopping the Blue Jackets from wanting to go long-term with any of those players you mentioned. They see them all as part of the future.
0: Uh, and I'm curious, one last guy I wanted to ask you about, uh, Adam Boqvist and, and his importance to this team going forward as a 22-year-old, signed to a very reasonable $2.6 million. He's a right-hand shot, which, as we talked about, uh, is an area where the Blue Jackets would like to see some improvement. What was your one like for Boquist, and I guess how important is he to what Yarmo uh, and the coaching staff want to bring to this uh, defense corps that obviously needs some improvement?
4: Yeah, well, right now i say Boquist and Juratek. Are the likely candidates to play in whichever order with Wierenschki or Provorov on those top two pairs. Bokris is also their second power play guy. Pretty good, pretty good offensive defense, his numbers are, are actually rather eye opening if you look closely to them. Um, he's still a very young guy. It seems like he's been around for a decade, and he's still he's still pretty young. So a bright future there, but not typically seen right now as an all around bona fide top four on a really good team. He still has some steps to make there, especially his play without the puck. But definitely there's upside there. And again, a real candidate uh, for top four minutes and second power play units. So a pretty important guy for the Blue Jackets.
0: Uh Aaron, thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate the time. I know it's always busy when Uh, news breaks, but thanks for taking some time out for us today. And uh, hopefully we'll chat again sometime during the summer and catch up on uh, what's going on around the team. Thanks for doing this today.
4: Well, yeah, thank thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Take care. Aaron Portsline joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. He covers the Columbus Blue Jackets for the Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at A Portsline, his latest up at the Athletic uh, immediate reaction to the trade yesterday for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, bolstering their defense with Ivan Provorov and uh, wondering what's left for GM Jarmo Kekalainen as he may not be done with moves this summer. One move that he uh, put some ice on, I guess we'll say, is a move that uh, a couple of people wondered about here in Calgary, and that's uh, that third overall selection uh, would take a trade. We'll wait for the exact wording when we talk about it later, but not one that he saw coming down the pipeline uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets, given the kind of talent that will be there, given the fact that they did miss out on, on Connor Bedard, and as he said, a couple of center icemen there, which is really important for this team. Um, Maybe not the immediate help that, that they would like to to be able to put a guy in their lineup beside Johnny Gaudreau, but, yeah, can you pass up on a Leo Carlson? Can you pass up on a Will Smith if you're a Columbus that needs a, a good center iceman going forward? But as he mentioned, Boone Jenner, Great player, a great captain. He makes you know three point seven five million against the cap. That's a, an absolute steal. But he's not a number one center. He's not at the skill level to play between Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Line on a day to day basis. That's just not where his game is is best suited. So if you're sitting at number three, hey, maybe Adam Fantilli does fall to you. Maybe Anaheim covets Leo Carlson or Will Smith, uh, and Adam Fantilli could be a Columbus Blue Jacket. Uh, doesn't sound, at least from Aaron, and he's as connected as anybody in the Columbus market, uh, it doesn't sound like he feels that number three overall pick is something that would be in play for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And look, he was involved. He was part of that story with Julian McKenzie, uh, our Calgary correspondent on The Athletic and a friend of the show. Um, you know, he was part of it pondering the Elias Lindholm side of things. And so that's something that he obviously would have been aware of. And he said it would have to be something out of the sky that, we haven't heard of yet that that would make sense. So, you know, kind of quells that rumor. I'm sure. Is it still a possibility? Sure. I, I think it would be, but it's um as of right now, coming from a guy that knows that team as well as anybody doesn't sound as though they'd be too interested in. Hey, can't really blame them. If you're getting an opportunity in a draft like this talked about Fantilli and Carlson as being guys that would have, you know, probably first overall pedigrees most years, if it wasn't for the fact that there's probably a generational guy at the top of this year's draft in Connor Bedard. Uh, so, once again, thanks to Aaron Porchline for joining us. Uh, down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. At Guest Hotlin. Really appreciate him carving out some time for us this afternoon. We got to take a break. We got to come back on the other side. Lots to get to an hour or two. You don't want to miss this. Coming up around the corner, we're going to get you an update on the Calgary Flames coaching search. Uh, Elliot Friedman's been on this the last 24 hours, Pat Steinberg's been on this the last 24 hours. Uh, Let's hear the names that those two guys are throwing around when it comes to the Calgary Flames and who could be next in line for the head coaching job. The first major hire for Craig Conroy. Uh, Sounds like we're getting closer to a decision. uh, Who's uh, still in the mix for the Calgary Flames? We'll talk about that to kick off the hour. Plus, one more day, and it's a game day at McMahon Stadium. Stampeders and Lions. Stamps report coming up a little bit later to get you all caught up With everything stamp here, stick around. Hour 2 right around the corner. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.